Hi, I'm Ann Hearn Topolowski. I'm 67, and I'm originally from Griffin, Georgia. I'm an actor and director. And I'm Stephen Topolowski. I'm married to Ann Hearn Topolowski. I'm 69 years old, and I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, but a little township outside Dallas called Oak Cliff. And I am an actor, director, and a writer, and I, I write a podcast. Stephen and I have been together for, we think, about 34 years. We've been married for almost 32. I think the best way to describe our relationship is that we never gave up at the same time. Welcome to Our Love Story, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every week, a real couple recounts how they met, how they fell in love, and the biggest moments of their relationship. Now, let's hear their love story. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. I was not looking for Anne when I first met Anne, that's for sure. I was involved in a relationship and was not looking at all. And we were both, I believe, we were involved in a play. We met as professionals working together, as Stephen explained. We first worked together as he was the director and I was an actor in a play. And then after that, we went on to for several, two, three, four years where we both were actors together and did several plays together, including Three Sisters and a crazy play called Barabbas, and then finally a play called The Glass Menagerie, which probably put us over the edge. Well, there was something interesting about when Anne and I began working together is that we could kind of read each other's mind on stage somehow. And the people of the theater thought that that meant we, quote, had chemistry, and which I'm not sure that we did, but they kept casting us in roles together. So in The Three Sisters, she plays my sweetheart who turns me down and I end up getting shot. Then in Barabbas, I played Pontius Pilate. She played Mrs. Pontius Pilate. And then in Glass Menagerie, she played Laura and I played the gentleman caller. They kept throwing us together continually. To tell you the truth, I was incredibly naive. I wasn't a guy who jumped from girl to girl to girl. I had one long, serious relationship that was crumbling. And I did not know that just working with someone on stage was going to be so intimate. So I was deceived. I deceived myself because I would work with Anne on stage. We could see each other's thoughts and minds. We played in 
enormously passionate roles on stage, not necessarily as lovers, but even, you know, fighting with one another. It's incredibly intense. And when Anne would come over to my parties and help clean up in the kitchen, I would sit there thinking like, you know, I ought to marry you. We had been intimate without having a romance. And we both trusted each other, which is also incredibly intimate. And when you act with someone, they see all sides of you. So I did not know this, but I just walked right into the lion's den with that one. And the step to falling in love with her afterwards was a lot easier than I ever would have thought. Our first dates were probably not really dates. They were just kind of hanging out together as friends sort of things. But there is one memory that Stephen says sticks out in his mind a lot, which was when I decided to bring lunch to the theater for both of us that we could have between the Saturday matinee and the Saturday night show without having to go out. I think when I look back on it, there was a lot of time and energy spent on this. So it was probably more of a romantic gesture than I was willing to admit to myself at the time. I think it was like pureed parsnips and maybe lemon chicken with gravy and homemade peach cobbler, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Knowing Anne Hearn, what that first date was, was she probably made coque vent for me in a picnic basket under the stage with the pureed parsnips or whatever. I mean, she could cook. But what people don't understand is we were having a full professional scheduled in eight shows a week and two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday. It was exhausting. And the idea of, Anne said, why don't we go under the stage? And so we climbed down these back ways that no one goes to, to where the girders are. Uh, underneath the stage, the stage was above us, and she spread out a tablecloth, and we sat on the floor cross-legged, and she pulls out of this basket, or parsnips or whatever the exotic cooking that was, and I took a bite, and it was so good. You know, you remember those moments where you cry accidentally when you're a grown man. It happens rarely. But when I tasted that coque vent, I just tears came to my eyes and Anne said, are you all right? And I said, no, no, it's just so good. It's so good. And I really haven't had a, a home-cooked meal in a long time unless you want to count Fig Newtons. This, this is so good. Thank you. And... It was a dear gesture, and it went to my heart, and I never forgot it. Stephen did do, do some romantic gestures for me, too. One thing I remember I did was I got her long-stemmed roses and just put them by her doorstep and with a little note just saying, I'm thinking of you or something like that. Well, that was pretty hot. I do remember that. <laughs> but I thought you were going to say that you... Bought me the cowgirl outfit and took me, <laughs> no, <laughs> took wait, me wait. to hear country music on Lancashire Boulevard. Yeah, that's a little bit embarrassing. Yeah, Anne was not a fan of country music, and I really love Bobby Bear. And the Palomino was kind of a hep venue in Los Angeles at the time, even though it smelled of beer and urine. So to kind of get Anne to go to hear country music, I thought she's an actress 
Let's let her play the part. So I went to King's Country Western Clothing Store and bought her a sleeveless white t-shirt, a big black cowboy hat with a red feather and jeans and boots. And it's like, here, baby, I got this for the date. And driving to the Palomino, I looked at Anne and she looked like she chewed tobacco and drove a tractor, but she looked good. She looked so good, and she looked at me, and the sun was setting, and we heard Bobby Bear together. Yes, yes, that uh, that black hat. We still have saved that black hat with the red feather. This is why I think he won me over, you know, that he would come up with ideas like that as romance. You know, who can resist it? It was so crazy and so weird and so fun. I loved it. Yeah, we, we made a real mistake in the beginning of our relationship, and we thought we got along so well we would take an international trip together. (laughs) Don't do this if you don't know someone very, very well. And so we went to England to take a road trip, a car trip through England to see all of the prehistoric sites of England because Anne's favorite book was Morti Artur, which is all you really need to know about a girl. And so we drove around England looking at tombs and I don't know what all, castles and cops and all sorts of things. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. had a lot of big hurdles in our relationship, actually. In fact, that's why I I love that you said, Stephen, that the thing that kept us going is that we never gave up the same day, that one of us was willing to keep going. And so the biggest hurdle early on we had was that we ended up pregnant before we had actually gotten around to getting married yet. We had talked about it and it was in the plans, but our order of events was going to be somewhat different. And I had been willing and interested in getting married, and Stephen had not been so much. He he kind of felt, I think, not to speak for him, but that this was kind of working for him, and he didn't really see that. So when I ended up being pregnant, and his response to it was, well, we'll get married. Let's get married. And I was like, well, I don't want to get married because I'm pregnant. You know, you were had some concerns or issues beforehand. Those don't go away. So I think it would be better if we not get married because of that. Let's wait and see. We can have the baby and we can talk about it and see if we still like each other and want to do it, get married, then I'd be up for that. We should just wait and see how it goes first. And then Stephen looked at me and he said, Look, we'll get married. We'll see if it works. If it doesn't, we'll get divorced. It'll be fine. You know, we'll be fine. 
And I couldn't say no to that. I mean, it, it appealed to me on a logical level, but it also appealed to my love for him because I did, of course, want to get married. I just didn't want that to be the reason. You know, it's like, oh, we had to get married because that was not where the relationship was heading at all. We had said, well, we'll we'll save up, we'll buy a house, then we'll get married and then we'll have a family. That was the conversation we were having. So then we joked that, okay, well, we'll have the baby first, then we'll get married, then we'll get the house and then we'll get engaged. The story of the proposal is a long one. The short version of that is that I had been married before and my first marriage and I was not proposed to in that. We just sort of decided. And when Stephen and I decided that we would get married, it was a discussion, it wasn't really a proposal. So I actually had never been proposed to, even though I had been married twice. And then this year in the COVID times, we went out to the local gardening store and bought some vegetables and tomatoes and herbs and stuff to come home to do our COVID garden. And on the way, Stephen drove me up to Mulholland Drive, pulled off, and we took a little walk down a trail. And then he got down on one knee and pulled out a garden twine that he had tied and he proposed to me. So my proposal was, 31 years after I got married to Stephen, he proposed. I was glad she said yes. <laughs> it made the last 31 years not a joke. After all, we had two kids at this point. It was the right time. Again, it's typical of our relationship. We were very afraid of COVID times. We were afraid of what was going to happen and what the world was going to be. We were growing a garden in case we ran out of food at the store. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, what is our world going to be? Well, I'll tell you one thing our world's going to be. If we die next week, you would have been proposed to. <laughs> Let's talk about the wedding. Well, it was over the Christmas holidays. We were on a break from the movie Great Balls of Fire. We were going to shoot up. It was the end of December. We are going to start shooting again in London in January. So we had this limited window of time. So let's go to the civic judge. So we go to the civic judge, and there is a guy. We walk in the door. He's got a big black pompadour. He's wearing powder blue clothes. He's on his way to an Elvis kind of meetup. And he looks at me, and the first thing he says is, son, I know I don't look like a judge, but in about 15 minutes, you're going to find out I am. He says, give me your $50, and I'll give you your license not to hunt. That was his big joke. So at this point, Ann's pregnant, I'm dealing with Elvis here, and I'm feeling like, let's get on with the show. And he says, do you promise to take this woman, for better or for worse, to have and to hold from this day forward, as long as you both shall live till death do you part upon your sacred word of honor? And I just flipped out. And I said, of course I'm going to marry her. Why do you think we came over here during the holidays? We come all the way over from the Radisson Hotel. I come in here. I give you the $50. Of course I'm going to marry her. I'm going to take care of her too. He says, son, a simple I do will suffice. You know, so I said, I do. And then I realized 
I was bawling. And then I look up at Anne and her tears are just streaming down her face now. It doesn't matter that Elvis is doing this ceremony. It's like this ceremony was so powerful and so poignant. And she just looked up at me and she could barely get the words I do out when she did. But but <laughs> she was trembling with, with uh, affection. And that was a kiss I'll never forget. Before we got married, Stephen asked me that day, maybe on the way, we're standing at the courthouse, you know, was I sorry that we weren't having a wedding and all of the things that came with it? And I said, oh, I had that before. It didn't work out. I don't feel like I'm lacking. All I would like to get is a good story. And I feel like that's kind of been the journey of our life. It was a great story. I mean, the judge asked, he says, do you have a ring? And we like... We forgot to get rings. We don't even have rings. And then he says, well, any ring will do. And I had a little ring that we paid $14 for in Wales from the trip where we were driving around England, a little road souvenir ring of very cheap gold. And we used that to get married with. I still have it. And then later, after the wedding, we went shopping for rings because obviously we should have thought about that beforehand. So I got my good story, and it's been a lifetime of good stories. That's for sure. So after we got married and went looking at rings, we went back to the Radisson Hotel and we ordered a pizza because I had finally stopped being sick and the idea of a pizza sounded so good to me. So Stephen called up the Domino's Pizza to order the mushroom and jalapeno pizza, which is what I wanted being four months pregnant, whatever it was at that point. So then the Domino's guy told Stephen, Stephen, you, you pick up the story from there because I like the way you tell it better. Oh, well, thank you. I, <laughs> I called Domino's Pizza and say, you know, we would like the mushroom and jalapeno pizza. And he says, well, sir, you know, we don't do the 30-minute guaranteed pickup or you get the pizza for free with the three tornadoes in town right now. I go, it's okay. You're only like four blocks from me. I'll just drive and get it. And somehow the phrase three tornadoes in town just went in one ear and out the other. And it, it, did, it didn't have any traction with me. So I go, Annie, I'm just going to go run, pick up the pizza. So I drive out of the underground bunker, which was the hotel garage, and there's trees moving across the road. <laughs> I'm talking like there's 200 mile an hour winds. There's debris. If you saw the movie Twister, it's that and everything. And I, my car is moving across the road and, I, and almost going airborne. And I'm going like maybe two, three miles an hour. I'm only having to go four, four blocks to the Domino's Pizza, but it takes me like an hour and a half to get there. I get out of the, the place and the guy said, well, you know, your pizza's cold now, you know. There's, you know, just sitting here and says, I don't care. I don't care, man. Just get, give me the pizza in the box. I have to go back. I have to go back to the hotel. So I get back in the car and now it's rain and it's hail and I'm going back and it's another hour and a half, the four blocks back to the hotel. I take the wet, cold pizza. I come in our hotel room. Anne is in tears. She thought that I had gotten cold feet from the wedding and the pregnancy 
and I had left her barefoot and pregnant in Memphis, and I had skipped out on her, and she ran into my arms, and she said, you're back, you're back. And I go, yeah, of course I'm back. I'm the idiot who's going to drive in three tornadoes to get the damn pizza for us. But every year for our anniversary, from then on, we have mushroom jalapeno pizza in honor of the day that I did return. What I love the most about Anne is her passion. She's passionate about everything. She's passionate about sourdough bread. She's passionate about her granddaughter. She's passionate about cooking utensils. She is so smart, great intellect, and she's passionate about her ideas. I love her as an actress, and I love her as a director. The thing I love the most about Stephen is he's just so brilliantly, wildly creative. Nothing stops him. If he was working as an actor and then there weren't any jobs around, he would just go direct a play or write a song or start a band. Or he's the quintessential person if the door closes. He's like opening windows, taking the roof off, whatever it is. And that he just makes me laugh. He brings music into my life. He plays the piano for me. He makes me feel like I'm a success and truly, truly loved. And how can you not love that? I think one of the most potent memories for me about Anne, looking back at our life together, is a difficult one in that I had just had triple bypass surgery. And I was at the hospital. I was in the ICU for two days, and then they moved me to the cardio ward. And I had a bad first night. And Anne came in that morning to see how I was. And she heard about the difficulties. She went out into the hallway of the hospital and says, I need to see all of the nurses and all of the doctors that are on this floor right now. She called them over and, and, and everyone was just shocked. She says, get a bed Bring a bed in and put it next to Stephen. I'm staying here now, and from now on, I make the rules, and you listen to what I tell you. We're not going to have any more bad nights. Do you understand? And everybody was terrified of her. And it, in a way, it was a very practical way in which, in many junctures of our marriage together, Anne has physically saved me. And that's who she is. I think I'm most excited about us being able to continue to create together, whatever form that takes, as work or something that you're going to invent, Stephen, I'm sure of it, you're going to come up with some new something that nobody ever even thought of before. And just getting to know our kids as adults and getting to know our granddaughter and all of the things that family brings to us and just... I don't know. I feel like I that there's just so much positivity ahead that I know we'll do it together, and I can't wait to see what that adventure is. Thanks for listening to our love story. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and on Twitter at Parcast Network. For more episodes of our love story, follow us on Spotify. And check out other podcast originals, all available on Spotify. 
Our Love Story is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by John Cohen. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and associate produced by Alex Trigvedotter.